In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners, we've got all sorts of good stuff coming your way in 2021. But first, we want to hear from you. What you like, what you want more of, what ideas you have. So we've put together a short survey. And we want you to check it out. It'll take you just a few minutes to complete, and you will be helping us deliver the goods. The goods. You can find the survey link in our show notes below and on our website. So take a few minutes. Tell us what you think. Click on the survey link in our show notes in your podcast player. Thank you and happy reading. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 82. I wish. I wish I was a little bit taller. Aaron. I wish I was a baller. Amy. I wish I had a girl. If I did, I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit <laughs> and a hat. And a bat. Like a 6'4 baller. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. In case you didn't, weren't alive around or wasn't aware of this 1995 gem, <laughs> we chose the song I Wish by Skilo mm-hmm. for this week's theme. Mm-hmm. A, it's a great song. It's... B, it's a gem, like you said. That was you admitted to me that you know more of these words than you're um, uh, prepared to admit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Then, then you also said you do as well. So it's like a muscle memory thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also rewatched the video this week, and I had forgot there was a Forrest Gump component because it came out around the same time as Forrest Gump. So he was on trend. He's sitting on a bench in a suit with a box of chocolates. I did not remember that at all. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. was amazing. Yeah. Thank you, 90s on 9, for reminding me of this song. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I chose it for this week because I like that idea of wishing for something different. Yes. We all wish for something different sometimes. We sure do. Maybe not to be six foot nine. Or there's a specific female name in there somewhere. Yes, there is. And I forget the name. That he wants. He's crushing real hard on her. Yeah. 
can't remember it. Sounds like she doesn't have the time of day no, for him. she's with a baller, I think. <laughs> and he's like, dang it. All I got is this hatchback. Exactly. And she ain't going to get with that. <laughs> so what you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> wow, we do know way too much of this. We could just slide it into conversation. It's really I think we wrong. were the prime demographic for that, maybe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. too. Which explains, yeah. It explains a lot, mm. yeah. Well, if you could give Skeela one piece of advice... What do you think it might be? I think it'd just be cool it, man. Like just <laughs> first, I don't think you have a lot of self-awareness, buddy, because mm-hmm. you're rapping about how you should be getting with all these super hot girls instead of what you're calling hood rats. I think you have a real <laughs> I think you don't have a real great, uh, you know, view of women true so come on man you're reminding me of like the type of club guys that go oh, to clubs and yeah. it's like oh i just really want a hot girl mm, just really want mm, a supermodel mm, that's what mm, you're sounding like mm, skilo you don't want to sound like yeah. that douchebag no 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 so just calm down accept what you have you're yes. a good rapper yeah i don't know what happened to you after this song but i'm sure <laughs> it was fine it seems like you were on a trajectory i don't know if you just jumped off or what you did i don't yeah i have no idea did he release anything else i have no idea we should, yeah that's I don't know if he's still um, tiny or if he did grow up to be a baller. I'm afraid to look. Is I'm that, afraid to look. Is that, I was like, why didn't I? And then I'm thinking, well, I don't want to know. I need well, him think preserved. About some of the, yeah, some of the other 90s rappers like Mace is now like a re- uh, reverend or something, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't want to check it out. I don't, no, I don't want to give Google my search no. on that. Mm-mm. Aaron, Skilo thinks his problems might be solved if he was a baller. Mm-hmm. When you were little, let's mm-hmm. say elementary age, mm-hmm. do you remember thinking, man, if I only had that skill, I'd be so much better. Everything would be so much easier. Yes. And it's similar in a way. I just always thought if I could dance, like there were so Whoa. many girls that were in dance oh, class for sure. and that were smooth like that. And they had rhythm, it seemed like, and a gracefulness. And I thought if I had that, I wouldn't fall all the time. <laughs> most likely. <laughs> I wouldn't trip over my own self or on nothing. Yeah. I just thought things would be easier. Like I would just be more present or something. Yes. thought it would change my whole being. The reality is I'm sure there are tons of dancers that are clumsy. Oh, I'm sure. And klutzy. So I really Especially elementary nothing. age. That's yeah. not going to fix all that. Yeah. And you know what? I'm glad because what skill, how would I use that skill now? Uh, we could have a visual component of this podcast in which you just danced for everyone. Like interpretive dance? Or yes. Just, okay. All right. All right. <gasps> yes, we would have the weekly theme and you mm-hmm. would provide an interpretive dance mm. on that theme. Okay, well, now I'm backwards and I do think I want that exactly. skill back. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise I was thinking, when do you get to use it? Like at a random wedding or, yeah. you know, like street party? <laughs> <laughs> do you go to a lot of street parties? No, I okay. never go. All right. But uh-huh. It seems like a place where dancing might break out. It does. And yeah. I could, you know, show that I learned some stuff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hmm. Well. I, I, I did just remember that I did go through a phase where I learned a lot of line dancing. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm recalibrating my head now. Because it makes sense to me. See, it was steps. It was a list. Sure. You just learned it. It was mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. It was mm-hmm. something like it seemed tangible. You don't really have to have rhythm or skill <laughs> to line dance. So wait, when you wanted to be a dancer, did you envision yourself as a line dancer no. or like a ballerina? Like a ballerina. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like a very graceful. Yes. Even now I can sometimes catch that. Like if you see, you know, a fantastic production of something, a Broadway mm-hmm. music, something like that, I always think, oh, wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. But 
couple problems. One, what? I like to eat. Exactly. You're not going to do well with that. Two, yeah. I, I hear a lot of things like, you know, you're on your feet and they're bloody and they're, I hear a lot the of horror stories. toenails fall off yeah. and like, yeah, yeah. 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 It's the same thing as marathon running. I was out when they started Ooh. talking about things chafing and bleeding. Ugh. I'm like, this Uh-oh. is, that's, no. That's, there's no need for that. That's your body saying no. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. That is your body when saying no. When your toenails no. fall off, it's saying, please stop doing this ballerina you shit. You have done something wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think of any other circumstance where your toenails fell off and people would be like, you are, d- you are working hard. Way to Just be. in a torture scenario, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, that's not. That's not right. No, it's not right. Imagine if you're just working at your job and your toenails fell off and it related. <laughs> People would be like, that's, that's a work comp case. What are you What's doing? What's happening over there, Nancy? Oh, shit. My toenails just fell off. Again? I can feel them all fall. They're just at the bottom of my heels. <laughs> my high heels are filled with toenails. <laughs> I I was picturing pantyhose with just toenails stuck. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Mm. Is now a good time to say that we actually got some big ass <laughs> Maybe we're all yeah. hyped up. We are the a little hyped food. up. I think the superfood yeah. went right to my. We decided to. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to switch up our schedule today. And record on a Saturday so we could get the big acai because they're no longer open on Sundays. I think we're high on the power. Oh, we're high. <laughs> we're high on the berries. <laughs> oh, but I'm saying if that oh, did happen to it, poor it would Nancy, not be good. she would have a case. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in that cubicle? Oh, poor Nancy. It can't be right. Oh, all of her pantyhose just ruined. Yeah. Why'd you quit? My toenails kept falling. Mm. (laughs) well you know skilos is spending a lot of time wishing Uh, yeah yeah, i bet he wishes his toenails wouldn't fall off yeah Yeah. i wonder if they ever did oh god stress of creating a rap video just got to him maybe maybe that's why he was sitting on the bench we thought it was forrest gump but he's like no (laughs) my toenails are gone you know, like they say some people lose their hair when they're stressed. Yes. No, he just lost his toenails. toenails. They just up and ran away. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you shit. guys, I'm worried about. Oh, <laughs> I'm really worried about Skilo. I found like six toenails last night just in his dressing room. Yep. yep and I mean right. full. It's I don't mean full. just like. Now he trimmed Actual them. Actual nail. The whole nail bed just yeah. chilling. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear God. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> this is what superfood has wrought. Yeah. Toenails. I'm fine with it. Yeah, me too. Keep yep. bringing it, superfood. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to help my toenails stay that's on. That's right. <laughs> Skilo obviously feet. needed some big acai, too. You know. He did. He did. You're right. Yeah. So he spends a lot of time wishing sure does. for other things. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you realized that wishing is actually bullshit? Yeah, I think I had two memories. Okay. One, when I was younger, and I think that year I really wanted like a Cabbage Patch doll Ooh. or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it was a, a big trend year and mm-hmm. I wanted it and I wished for it. And Christmas Day, I got like a knockoff doll. Ooh. Like it wasn't the same thing. And I think there was that moment of, oh God, this is real life. When... <laughs> 
<laughs> what you wish for becomes warped yeah. by the forces of consumerism. And But there's another time, too. Oh. Like, once I got a little older, do you remember The Secret, Aaron? Yes. Yeah. I remember when that was a huge thing. When mm-hmm. do you think that was, like, early 2000s, late 90s? I don't I remember. I feel like when. it was early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. 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 But it was this big deal. Like it was a book. Like, didn't she go on Oprah? Like, oh, all it was of this stuff? everywhere. Yes. And her whole premise was that you just kind of put your wishes out into the universe and they'll come back at you mm-hmm. in good thing. She wasn't even making you make a dream board. There was no That's work. Right. It was just put it out there. So, all the weird influencers today talking about manifesting all of your dreams, mm. they owe something to the secret lady. They do. And I remember watching like the secret lady and thinking, like, oh, okay, there's a lot of flaws in this logic mm-hmm. because if all it takes is just to wish for our situations to be good, so all the people that are in terrible, you know, war and strife and they just didn't wish hard enough. Right. They just somehow brought it on themselves. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So then I realized again, wishes are bullshit. That's a great example, because I remember, I was just thinking, I remember that so clearly, mm-hmm. and I had the same reaction, like, what is this? Yeah. I took it a step further. I read the book. Did you? Because I was so confused. I thought for sure I was missing yes. something. Yeah. Like, what am I missing? They're and simplifying it was everywhere. This. The book was everywhere. Everywhere. And you're not missing anything. They Good didn't Lord, no. simplify anything. No. It, it is like, that simple. Yeah. It was basically, it almost at first I was like, is this witchcraft? Is this witchcraft yeah. like wrapped into nice white middle class lady t- mm-hmm. talk? Mm-hmm. No, it was just bullshit about wishing. And she really jumped on the like Dan Brown in- imagery. Do you remember the book yes. had like the seal, <gasps> like the old right. school melted wax seal, which was really reminiscent of that time of angels yes. and demons and all his books were super popular. And I felt yes. like that was always kind of a jump on that. Like, ooh. Yeah, it's just serious. Exactly. And trying to like build up like, ooh, there's really a secret to making your life as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. And what it is is making a wish. Yeah. That's not And all it made it. me want to wish is for a wax seal. Because <laughs> that makes things look legit. I just want one of those instruments. Yeah. With the can you patterns. imagine sending those? Oh, my God. We need to get a Broads and Books wax seal. Ooh. And send all of our official correspondence via wax seal. Yes, we and don't really know. have a lot of in-person physical correspondence, but no. we could make some. We could start. That Whew. would be very exciting. Would be very exciting to get something with a wax seal. Oh my god! I don't know if I'd open it. <laughs> That's true. It has to be like a postcard where you just put a wax seal at the oh, bottom. Oh, good idea. So then, good idea. You don't have to remove the wax seal. No, it's there. It's just there. It's there for posterity. It's, okay. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aaron, I got another question for you. Oh, yeah. So wishes. Mm-hmm. Maybe as we get older, we use different language. Maybe they're morphing into like bucket lists. Yeah. Do you have a bucket list? No. Why not? Because why? Yeah. I don't. A whole bunch of stuff that is. First of all, it seems like bucket lists then morphed into things that are just not attainable. Exactly. Like, r- ridiculous things like, oh, it's on my bucket list to traverse down the mountain and, you know, wherever. Like, really? Then how are you going to make that happen? Okay, so you save some money, you do this, you do that. None of that's involved. No, it's just like, no. And oh, it seems like there's this idea that we have to have a bucket list. Like, okay, I've lived my whole life and now I'm getting to the end and I realize there's all these things I should have done. Mm-hmm. I just don't have that feeling. Like, if it comes up and I want to do it, I do it. If not, I don't. And yeah. I don't like the idea of this bucket list that I have to achieve. Like, oh, I don't have these 
big lofty goals. I must be failing yeah. at life because I don't want to go in a waterfall in Tahiti. Like it does feel like built in guilt. Like you've yeah. got this like over your head weighing on you. Yeah. And it also feels like an excuse like, oh, yep, that's on my bucket list. Or yes. yeah, we need to do that because it's on my bucket list. Like, no, it's not on my bucket list. No, it's not. It's, it's just not something on I might list. be interested in doing. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I, yeah. And if I really want to do it, then I will make it happen. Right. And sometimes my, the other thing is that I don't know that I have goals that would necessitate a bucket list. Like, yeah. I really want to read that book. Guess what? I'm going to read that book. I bought a copy and I read it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, there isn't like. Maybe that was Skilo's problem is he just didn't, A, he made wishes that weren't going to be possible. Like mm-hmm. wishing to be six foot nine when he obviously is like five foot five. Yeah. It's Skilo. not going to work. But also the other wishes like, you know, for his lady, if he would maybe A, get to know her a little. Yes. He might find out that she's not worth wanting. That's or very true. he might find out, hey. I know how to get her instead of just wishing. Yeah. Maybe just work on being a good person. Yeah. Getting to know someone. Quit calling girls Let hood things rats. happen organically. Yes. That's the other thing that bothers me about bucket lists is there's nothing organic about it. Mm-mm. It's all contrived. And I think for me, a button is like contrived, forced, fun or interaction. You're I right. don't I don't like that. It feels feeling. like it's a ready made sign from home goods that you just fill in your yes. bucket list and you're gonna hang it on your kitchen wall. Yeah, like let's do these items. No, yeah. no. Like, and we never used to call it that. Like, oh, I, you know, and it would be like one thing that somebody really wanted to do. Like, oh, I would really love to travel here, Mm -hmm. you know, someday in my life. Okay, that's a goal. Absolutely. You don't have to make a bucket list. Because then I got to fill it in with everything else. Yeah. I want to eat all 31 flavors of Baskin Robbins. No, you don't. (laughs) That's why there's 31 flavors. Because you're not going to like all all of them. No, you're not going to. It's not necessary. No. It's not necessary. You're going to hurt your tum-tum. It's going to be terrible for your tum-tum. You don't want that. No. 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 Just skip to the flavor you like and call it a day. <laughs> bucket list, bucket Baskin list. Baskin Robbins still around? Yeah, believe oh, it or not. So okay. actually, if you are a fan of Baskin Robbins, you probably actually should try every 31 flavors because I would guess they're hanging on by a thread. That's the thing. Like, I don't know. Is there one in Des Moines? Yes. Oh. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I haven't seen such a place in a long time. Oh, it's very hard to find. Okay. Yeah, it's it's tucked back in a little strip mall <laughs> thing. And you have to go in like, it's a weird side door. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. They're owned by, I think they're owned by the same company that owns Dunkin' Donuts, though. Oh, oh yeah, because there's a lot of combo stores. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which is a great idea. So that's Donuts probably why cream. they're, you know. Yeah. Kind of like when you go, what is it, like Pizza Hut and KFC? Yeah. And you see and Taco Bell combo. Oh, that's it. It's Taco Pizza Bell. Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bell. Like, yeah. it can be all three. Yeah. 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 Weird. Very weird. None of those ingredients really go together. No. You know what went real, real, blah, 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 blah. you know what went real well? Yeah. Superfood. It did. See, it just go to really Big Acai and you don't yeah. have to worry about there you go. chicken beaks and pepperoni. <laughs> Skilo, <laughs> wherever far? you are, go to Big Acai Bowl. Yes. All of your wishes But don't let us true. know where you are. That's yeah, don't, don't scary. do that. No, so we don't, don't want Please don't tell us. We don't want to know. No. Probably mm-hmm. nothing good has come of Skilo. He was a bright, shining star for a moment. I hope that his hatchback's still running. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he settled down with a nice hood rat. Yes. Yeah. I hope he doesn't call her hood rat. I hope not either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, our picks this week. Yes. All about wishing for something. Wishing. Which is great. You know, as I was going through my uh, potential picks, a lot of stuff about wishing. So much. Really, yeah. A A lot lot of things. Yes. Um, My fiction pick is one that I just read. In like two days, 
It's called When No One Is Watching oh, okay. by Alyssa Cole. This came out last year, last fall, I think. Mm-hmm. And the book was billed as sort of like a little bit rear window and a little bit get out, mm-hmm. which is a crazy combination. And the book starts with this line, history is fucking wild. It's a great start. Mm-hmm. So Sydney grew up in Brooklyn and has returned home after a kind of a dangerous marriage ends. And she's come back to her neighborhood that she loves with people who take care of each other. But the neighborhood is changing. Condos and for sale signs are popping up everywhere. Neighborhood stores have left. Longtime neighbors are just gone. Uh, at the same time, her mom is not well, and Sydney's having to handle a lot of the house stuff alone. She's frustrated as all hell, and one day she goes on one of those neighborhood brownstone tours and finds that they're telling the history of the neighborhood all wrong. They're focusing on, like, long-ago white people versus the very notable black residents. So she decides she's going to create a new walking tour, and one that incorporates the community's past and present. At the same time, there's a guy named Theo who has just moved into the neighborhood with his girlfriend, and they are the white gentrifiers that Sydney is frustrated with. But Theo, he, first off, the relationship with his girlfriend is not great, um, and he likes the neighborhood. He wants community. He wants to build that up. So he volunteers to help Sydney with the new tour. Together, they research the, the ugly past as well as this new company that's moved into the neighborhood in this abandoned healthcare facility. And that's when things take a really dark turn, full of paranoia that may be justified. In short, I can't say a ton more about the plot, but the disappearing neighbors, they may not have moved after all. And the gentrification might be a big old conspiracy. So I chose it for this theme because Sydney really wishes things could just stay the same, especially in a very vulnerable moment in her life post-divorce. She wants things to be the way they were in the neighborhood. She wants this to be sort of a, a moment in time. And the forces behind gentrification can feel so big, so insurmountable, that wishing kind of seems like the only thing she can do about it. Until she decides that this small thing, this creating this new tour, can be a way to channel her frustration, to wish the past into existence. And that's when things take that really weird turn, and we see who really has the power to turn wishes into reality. Uh, I think this is a wild ride. There's some great jaw-dropping moments. Erin, I know you got the book. Have you read it yet? Yeah, I'm like, I have just a little bit left. Okay. Yeah, so. Oh, okay, so you know where some of the stuff is going. Yes, yeah. It's nutso. Mm Mm-hmm. And very gripping. Yes. Also, afterwards, um, in her acknowledgments, because Alyssa Cole is talking about gentrification, she references a lot of the things that she referred to. And there is like a podcast called There Goes the Neighborhood. And I started listening to it. And it's about gentrification of New York. And it's great. So it's turning me on to kind of learn a little bit more about this uh, big bad wolf of gentrification. Yeah. And I like that, um, and I, like I said, I'm not all the way done yet, but I like that Theo, some of the ideas that he's putting forth, I could catch my own self relating to. Yes. Like, oh, I understood that this was an issue, but I didn't understand the complexity of it. Yes. Or I maybe didn't know anyone that was directly affected by it, so I didn't couldn't relate to it on the same level. So I love it when books can kind of bring that out. And- Absolutely. Like the whole thing about there's there's real estate developers in this neighborhood that are just pushing really really hard for everyone to sell their property because they know this is going to be the hot new neighborhood yeah and that's an actual thing that happens and i blissfully ignorant of that didn't know that and Mm -hmm. that was that was terrifying in and of itself to learn that and they had that part um 
where they talked about redlining, which really I felt like that was something that I did a deep dive earlier this yes. fall because yeah. that came up a lot over the summer and a lot with the social unrest and talking about neighborhoods and gentrification mm-hmm. and this practice that happened yeah. in order to keep people from owning property or to getting the value out of it that they should or mm-hmm. to keep neighborhoods down. And that wasn't something that I, I think I had heard the term before, but I had never really understood it. So yeah. it was uh, refreshing to kind of see it come up again too and have another chance to get another way of looking at it yeah. and understanding it. No, it's a great point. And if you do read this, listeners, and you want to learn more about redlining and gentrification, that podcast I mentioned that she references is great because there's a couple episodes that talk very specifically about how redlining has worked in a couple key neighborhoods mm. in New York. So really interesting history lesson there too. Yeah. yeah, It's great. Yeah. Good pick. Um, For my fiction pick this week, I am recommending Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Oh, yeah. And I read this a while ago, and I'm going to be upfront that at first when I read it, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I remember you saying that. um, Yeah. It was getting a lot of buzz at the time, and and I think that it's worthy of all of that buzz. And I think I narrowed down a couple things of why I couldn't pinpoint why, Hmm. how I felt that way. Yeah. Um, One is because I think that it's uncomfortable. And I think it's uncomfortable for some reasons that are very uh, close to home, especially for white women. Yeah. And I also think it was the time period I had to really go back and look at some things that I read early on in the pandemic. And I think some of my reading was just sort of like, uh, you know, I couldn't focus enough. So I couldn't really maybe understand exactly everything that was being said. And so Mm -hmm. as I've gone back and examined some of those things, I've thought more about the book. I've reread a couple things. I've thought, oh, you know, this actually I really... I have a lot, big appreciation for this mm-hmm. now. So this is one of them. The author described it as an everyday domestic biases that we don't even know we have. It was published in December of 2019. And Alex Chamberlain is one of the main characters. She's a white blogger who's made this really nice suburban life for herself. She and her family also have a babysitter, Emra, that they adore. And the whole story sets off one night when Alex calls her after she's off work and asks her to take their toddler to the local supermarket as a distraction because there's a family crisis. And this is all fine, except that they live in this very nice area. And Amir happens to be black. And she was out with friends because she's off work. And when she agrees, because she truly loves this child, to kill time, she takes the child to the supermarket Mm -hmm. and things go haywire immediately because they're not, she's not what the supermarket expects. Oh, no. She's got this white child and immediately the security guard decides that something about this is off and he starts hassling her. And as we know in our day and age, there's someone there to take the video on a cell phone. Oh, boy. And so this whole thing, this whole situation sort of blows up over the course of the book. Um, From the person that has the cell phone video to how the family reacts. And you think that that's like the focal point. But really, the focal point is about how everyone else reacts to that. And no one really pays attention to Amira or Amira's feelings in that situation. It really calls into idea calls into question the idea of wokeness mm-hmm. and the idea that we've made that really be another form of marginalization and really out and out racism that and I think that it's that's sort of out there now you know when someone says they're woke everybody's like okay well yeah so the book is super well written it reminds me a lot of the conversations that are happening right now which are certainly a culmination of lots of years but particularly in 2020 they seem to come up a lot a lot of the tropes that white people and in particular white women 
seem to hold like, well, I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. I'm not this. I'm not that. I already know about that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a great example of even when you think you know something, there's always more to learn. There's always a better way to be empathetic. There's always more to understand. And to me, I think that that this book, number one, Amir wishes that someone would just listen to her and pay attention to what she's saying and feeling instead of being so quick to defend themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do this. I don't feel this way, which we saw a lot of. Like, it's about listening yes. and not always about proclaiming that you're the opposite. Uh-huh. So I think there's a lot of that. And also, we've talked a lot about the importance of reading and helping gain knowledge and empathy and compassion. And I feel like this is another book that presents an opportunity to do that. Awesome. And I left me with the feeling like there's so far to go, but I also wish that we assigned more books like this, you know, that more books like this got more recognition so that more people had that opportunity. This uh, Lena Waith's production company bought the rights before this book even came out oh my god so i'm assuming that she's going to move forward that is probably going to be a stellar movie so that's another reason to get in on it now read the book and then go see the movie but to me this book is about wishing not only what we wish society was actually Mm -hmm. like but then also on a personal level like would someone just listen to what i'm saying i just want to be heard yeah and that's a universal thing i think we can relate to but yeah because everyone's talking and no one's listening yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and Mm -hmm. i think we all need to remember that sometimes like we don't listen to the other person in our attempt to make sure that we're like hey i'm not that way Mm -hmm. so you know i think uh you know i've thought a ton especially since the election and and some of the things we read about white women and and what the what the issue is why so many of us are problematic and I, I think some people especially those that claim to be woke like you know like oh well I know how women are uh, put down in society so I get it like yeah. I get your issues where you don't get it like no. there's there's levels of oppression there's intersectionality there's not like no one's gonna know everything so shut your mouth right right and you being oppressed is your own story and that's fine but that doesn't trump someone else's or mm-hmm. me that you automatically understand someone yes. else's yeah you know that's that's not something you can know until you speak to someone and you find the commonality and there seems to be this assumption like oh well i get it yeah you know I totally get it well for other genre I've, I've got between the world and me by Ta-Nehisi Coates mm-hmm. uh this is nonfiction. it's a bit of memoir um it came out in 2015 yes. and this book is framed as sort of a letter from a father to his teenage son but because Ta-Nehisi is black his son has to contend with all of these shitty forces out of his control the terrible history of this country the current ways white supremacy still reigns so Like I said, the book, there's a little bit of memoir because he's writing to his son about his own growing up. He's talking about growing up in Baltimore, about going to Howard University, having his eyes open to so many different ways of being both as a person, as a black person. Um, He writes about becoming an adult, having a family, and he writes about looking at his son and knowing how vulnerable his son is to the world. Um, Along the way, he's writing so eloquently and painfully about what race really is and about how it's just this arbitrary concept that we have built all these systems of life and of oppression around uh, to to justify some really terrible shit. Um, He writes about learning 
at Howard and elsewhere about the true history of slavery, of the Civil War, about modern day life. And he, one thing that, you know, we have talked about, we had a whole episode dedicated to it, was the falseness of the American dream. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing in here. Mm -hmm. So Ta-Nehisi wrote this and the book came out around the time of some of the original Black Lives Matters uh, marches, the time of Ferguson and Eric Garner and Tamir Rice. And there's um, a quote that Ta-Nehisi has in the early pages. He says, I write you in your 15th year, and you know now, if you did not before, that the police departments of your country have been endowed with the authority to destroy your body. Mm -hmm. I will tell you now that the question of how one should live within a black body, within a country lost in the dream, is the question of my life, and the pursuit of this question I've found ultimately answers itself. So I chose it for this theme because, and this, you know, as I've said, I don't have kids, so I can only imagine, but I would suspect that one thing parents wish for most is the safety and health of their kids. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is about, is a father looking at his son, knowing all the ways the world has hurt people who look like him and will continue to, and just feeling powerless. Mm -hmm. He wishes he didn't have to talk to his son about this stuff. And I imagine so many black parents in particular have to contend with this. And and last year was a huge example Mm -hmm. of that. But wishes are just that. And Ta-Nehisi is very clear in the book that his son has to accept this as reality. And no amount of wishing is going to change any of it, which is shitty, but it's truth. I will say there's also an HBO special that came out recently. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think it's uh, a number of different actors and personalities reading portions of the book. And then mm-hmm. there's uh, animation and illustration okay. alongside of it. Um, so just a, a killer book. But, you know, it reminded me what you said of feeling deeply uncomfortable as a white person reading this. And realizing, like, you know, we have to reckon with this. And there's so many ways in which our world has not reckoned with this. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I've read this as well, and it's very, yeah. Absolutely. And just the the idea, like I said, of uh, potentially being a parent and then having to read this, I imagine you as a parent were like, oh, God, yeah, thinking about some of well, this. Well, and it, it's a moment, too, where you, you know, you're, I'm white, so mm-hmm. I don't, the same, the conversations I have with my kids are different than mm-hmm. the ones he's forced to have with his kids, and that's a reality that we have all had to come face-to-face with this year, and that I think if there's anything that, a parent can relate to if you're struggling to understand that's one thing I mean I don't that's not I don't have the same worry and that's yeah. it, just because I'm white period end of yeah, story and that's privilege and it it's absolutely it does yeah and it's hard to reconcile how what to do about that mm-hmm. and how to express that and how to help your kids understand that too that they're living with that and that has such an impact I think when you can be really personal and as hard as that is and you know, the, the vulnerability, I think that really speaks to people. I mean, if you're really trying to help someone understand, you know, letting some of that personal side out, yeah. it goes a long way. And yeah. people that are willing to do that are amazing because, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't have to, but that's yeah. the world we live in. So, so yeah, so it's a good one. It is. I know. It is. Uh, well, so for other genre pick this week, I am recommending Savage Appetites, Four True Stories of Women, Crime, and Obsession Ooh. by Rachel Monroe. And you mentioned like at the end of um, when no one is watching, there's kind of a other references. Yeah. And yeah. this is a book I actually found at the end of Unspeakable Acts, which I recommended a little bit ago. I was going to say, this sounds like that anthology. Yeah, yeah, there was, she had a lot of different kinds of references um, articles, books, TV, film, all those kinds of things. And this 
is one I happened to pick up. Um, it was actually on my list. I thought, oh, that sounds familiar. And then I went back and thought, oh, that has been on my to-read oh, list. So your I should... list of like thousands of books. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you can see how I forgot. Yeah, sure. I got married in uh-huh. there. And then I was like, wait a minute. I should read that book. So I did. And I'm really glad I did. It was published in August of 2019. And it's four true crime stories centered on kind of what the author describes as four archetypes of the female appeal in true crime. So exploring why we're drawn to true crime, especially as females. So she has a detective, a victim, attorney slash defender, and killer. So there's four stories. Each falls into one of those. So the first one, the detective section, is the story of Frances Glessner Lee, who is considered the mother of forensic science. She was kind of this bored woman who decided that she needed to do something more with her life. And she was very interested in crime. And she had um, a good friend who was the medical examiner. And so he would let her sit in on autopsies. I mean, this is, yeah, very early on in the 1900s. So... You know, there was some... A little less ethics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. sure. But th- she was fascinated by it. And she's, she also happened to have some money. So she started putting a lot of money and time into forensic research at the very front end before... You know, now that's like the gold standard mm-hmm. of what you're supposed to be looking at. And she was really on the cutting edge of trying to convince people that this was a worthwhile thing to pursue. Wow. And one of the things that she did with make... They called them nutshells, but they're really essentially... She would make a dollhouse of crime scenes down to like the very tiniest detail of the furniture or where these things were placed. And they used these as training tools for police officers and detectives to look at and say, okay, what do you notice? Did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? So they, and she made a bunches of them and there's some that still exist in museums, but some she made from, from actual crimes that occurred. Some she made from just as a training tool, but she put all of this detail in there so that they could have this practice at looking at everything, that no detail is too small. And so on that vein is how she got into forensic research and how much the little details can tell us. So that's the first section is all about her. The victim section tells the story of Elisa Statman, who managed to entwine herself in the Sharon Tate family Oh, after the death of her by the hands of Charles Manson's crew. After the death, she yes. got it. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, she first befriended a, a man who was sort of like a private investigator, although not really. Um, and he seemed to have managed to have a lot of uh, artifacts or information that the public didn't have. So she first befriended him, and then she managed to work her way up to the mother, who Sharon Tate's mother was an advocate after she died for a long time about at parole hearings and about like um, prisoners, like what kind of rights they should have and, and that type of thing. So she worked her way up. They became good friends. Then after the mother died, she became really good friends with Patty, who was Sharon Tate's, had two younger sisters. Patty was the middle. And uh, this is after Patty had gone through a divorce. She had two kids of her own. Um, There's some rumors that maybe they were in a relationship. No one's really sure. But she entwined herself so much that she sort of became the family spokesperson and effectively cut out the youngest sister, Deborah, because Deborah didn't really agree with this, nor did Deborah's father, Sharon Tate's father, PJ. She sort of managed to cut them out. Oh, my God. And just become the spokesperson for the family, as if she's the victim. So her obsession sort of put her into this role of something that actually had no direct effect on her to begin with. So that's a very interesting story. Um, The third section is the attorney defender section, and this takes 
tells the story of Lori Davis, who saw the documentary uh, Paradise Lost, who is the, that's the story of the West Memphis Three. And mm. they were three um, men that were accused of killing three young boys. The Satanist. Thing. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. height of satanic panic. Mm-hmm. And there was really no evidence. And she saw this documentary, didn't know anything about it, and was just blown away and sure that this Damien Eccles had to be innocent. There, Like anybody watching the documentary, she was just, she knew this in her heart. And so she started communicating with him in prison. And before long, they were in such an entwined, intimate relationship that she was really advocating for him. They eventually got married oh while he was in God. prison. She raised money for him and eventually secured his release because there was evidence that it wasn't those three. Wow. And so they, and they're now out and live together. Yeah. So that. And again, you know, kind of a story of obsession slash passion. And the last section is called the killer section. And this is Lindsay Sovenranth, who uh, in 2015, she was a teenager looking for some camaraderie online, stumbled into some Tumblr, Reddit communities about Columbine. And I guess they're called Columbiners. What? They're obsessed with the two Columbine shooters. And they are very, like, they just have put themselves down this rabbit hole of, like, they've become cult heroes to them. So she ends up meeting this guy, James, on there. And they end up starting a relationship. And pretty soon James comes up with this idea. He lives in Canada that she should come to Nova Scotia and they're going to plan this Valentine's Day massacre at a mall, a mass shooting. Oh, my God. They're going to, he's going to kill his parents. She's going to meet him there. They're going to go. They're going to kill a bunch of people and then kill themselves. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. And she follows without Aww. really having any kind of predisposition to that, without any warning signs. It goes horribly, horribly wrong. I, I would, um, yeah. No mass shooting. It was all thwarted before anything. But uh, she, I won't ruin the end of the story, but her story and her trial, all of that is very fascinating. And the author really examines how much of this person's obsession or kind of wish to have a different life led her down this path that ended up ruining everything for her. So, God. like I said, really interesting ways that females have kind of become entwined in mm-hmm. true crime. And I chose it for this theme because a big part of this book is exploring the obsession and the getting involved in something because you're wishing for your life to be different. Yeah. You know, it can be implied that Francis just wanted to have more purpose, that Alyssa was just wanting more attention or to feel important. Lori wanted a partner and to feel as though she made a difference. And Lindsay wanted her life online to be different than one that she was actually living. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of fulfilling these sort of typical female roles we see sometimes. Um, but how that relates to true crime, this was just an interesting place to take it. And the author has a lot of her own personal uh, thoughts about it in there, which mm-hmm. are interweaved beautifully. I think she's a great writer. It read really quickly. I love the idea of the four sections yeah. and the different. And all the stories were fascinating. I didn't know anything about any of the four wow. stories. So it was a quick read in that sense. Uh-huh. Um and I think well worth it. If you like, you know, even if you're not really that into true crime, they're just interesting stories. Mm-hmm. So I really want to see these dioramas of crime scenes. I know, right? The and author got to. She found she tracked some down and was able to go visit someone or a museum or something. But can you imagine? Oh, my God. I mean, that was like a 
that was a standard school project, right? To like make a diorama yeah. or something. Can you imagine if one of us had done like a true crime scene and be oh. like, here, teacher. And she talks about at the time that dollhouses, like making dollhouses was kind of like a very common pastime for oh. women. A very intricate kind of wealthy pastime because, you know, you're buying all these little sure. parts, doing all this. And now she's twisting it into and a... Francis is like, no, I'm going to do this and make it more interesting. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have this have a purpose. I'm going to get some blood in here. Wow. Yeah, today she'd probably be um, either super famous for her crime scene dioramas mm-hmm. Or they would be used as evidence of her crazy, crazy, craziness. Yeah, she'd probably be locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Wow. Super interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah. We're going in weird directions with wishes. We are. I got another weird direction okay. for us okay. for pop culture. And this one you've watched as well. This is from HBO Max. I know you said you were maybe not going to do that this week, but I did it. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I got a culty cult, complete with a batshit leader and some sex stuff. The Vow on HBO Max from 2020. So, yeah, yeah. I think I watched this first. You did. You told me to watch it. And I told you. And we both had very deep conversations after this. So many There's a lot to talk about. There is. So we start the show. I think there's eight or nine episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We start with a couple who each individually found this group that's dedicated to personal success and empowerment and stuff like that. It's a group called Nixium, led by a guy called Keith Raniere, Mm -hmm. whose build is this super smart dude. Like he's just got everything figured out. If you just follow what he's going to do, it's all going to be great. Seems decent. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a curriculum that's about freeing people from insecurities and destructive habits and patterns. Cool. Mm -hmm. But then there's the weird regalia they have to wear, all their like various sashes and shit. Yeah, things got weird right away. There's terms they have to use, like they have to call Keith Vanguard. There's more and more courses to take and more and more money to spend, of course. There's then a neighborhood in Albany where you can move and you can go and they have like a whole area set up where you can live there and get closer to Keith slash Vanguard and get more and more into this program. Keith is really going for this Jesus look and he's got real weird midnight volleyball sessions, but you can attend them if you're in Albany. So great. We should say right now that that was one of you and I's really hardest parts about this. What is it with volleyball? Yeah. And he's also got him. And him. He's got like a ponytail and a sweatband, some short shorts. Like, I don't understand it. No, it was very confusing. No. And then finally, you know, after all of this, for some women, there's a program called DOS that's super secret and requires some collateral to get into Plus, you have to call someone a master. And then there's some branding involved. That part, the branding, is probably what you've heard about this group, if you've heard anything about this group. Because it's been in the news. Last year, all the leaders, including Keith, were brought in and convicted of racketeering, sex trafficking. But that's not even the end of this wild, wild story. There's famous actresses involved, including a a lady from Dynasty in the 80s. Uh, There's an heiress to the Seagram's fortune. So weird. There's so many money scams. So much money scams. 
It is wild. And the way they structure it is really compelling. Like it, it, it points, it feels like sort of a slow burn. Like where is this going? And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's like speeding up and then it's slowing down again. Yes. Like I really like the pacing of it. And as it goes on, you and I talked about this, it gets more and more chilling and scary, yes. especially as a woman watching this. Yes, absolutely. I chose it for this theme because I think the people who got taken in by Nixium and by Keith Raniere, they, they wished for something more mm-hmm. in their lives. So much so that they may have been blind to what they were agreeing to, to Mm -hmm. what they were getting involved in. And I think there's a bit of magical thinking, too. If you just wish something is different and then this revolutionary program, I'm putting that in quotes, sort of presents itself, then, oh, my God, this is a sign. I manifested it. Here it is. Which, by the way, like we talked about earlier, this whole idea about just manifesting and the secret, like putting out what you want into the universe and the universe is going to come right back and deliver it to you. Mm -hmm. First of all, the universe is busy. (laughs) It's got other things to care about besides your dream board. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Also, it's just bullshit. I I really think we've talked about this a number of times, Mm -hmm. especially over the last few months. I think cults like this, conspiracy theories like QAnon and Trumpism, they're so attractive to people because people wish things were different. Yeah. They're and mm-hmm. they wish for something more in their lives or they wish that something could stop. They wish that they could get past all of their issues. And when something comes along that says, "Yeah, you're right. Things mm-hmm. could be different." Uh, and here's what you can do about it. That is super seductive. Mm-hmm. And this show, I think, really shows that. That, you know, some of these people were going in for, I think, the right reasons. Were they naive? I would think so. But also, I think they just really, really wished for something like this. Mm-hmm. And then they got branding. Yeah. So things got real weird. Well, and I was struck that... I could never really get a grasp on what it was they were learning in the curriculum. I couldn't either. And so if you listeners are watching this and you're like, what the what the hell is... I could never figure out, why do people think Keith is so smart? Like, yes. What is it? Like, we're hearing him talk over and over, but I'm not picture, I'm not understanding what people are hearing. Right. You know, and what they're seeing and like, oh, yeah, this guy has it all figured out. It's a great example of someone being called revolutionary just because they say the opposite of what everyone else thinks. Yes. Like that's what's happening the whole time. It really feels like just white male mediocrity, like elevated to like, oh, yes, yeah, 100%. He's very, I mean, there's some uncomfortable things that get revealed later, like conversations he has with people where you're like, why would you put up with that? So bad. But, you know, and that's easy to say from the outside. I'm not trying to take away from anything but it is and you'll find yourself as you're watching this there's going to be many times where you're like jesus how could you not see that yeah but then the show will get into like how either there's some willfulness in not seeing stuff or Mm -hmm. at certain points you're so wrapped into things that it's really hard to extricate yourself just like the the scientology shows that we've watched i mean this is standard cult stuff that it makes it very very difficult for you to leave on purpose and we can all think of examples of times where we knew better oh yeah but we did something because we didn't know how to voice that opinion we didn't know how to say yeah that's not quite right Mm -hmm. We've all been there. Yeah. So when you're that entrenched and you've put your whole life and your savings and your your whole family's there and this is the only thing you know, getting out of that is not as simple as being like, yeah, that's all bullshit. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Especially when it comes from a place of wishing right. that something in your life is a little bit different. And maybe you realize like, okay, well, some things are different. Uh, there's all this weird stuff over here, but maybe I can just ignore that. Right. Because, you know, my wishes are being granted. Yeah. 
Yeah. But are they? Are, are they, they being real? Are those your real wishes? You're going to find know. some real dirty stuff out about Keith, too. And some things that will not surprise you. No. It will surprise you when you see him. Oh, yes, it will. Yeah. There's lots of, like, there's, um, you know, one of the key people that was involved in the trial was an actress from Smallville. Mm -hmm. And seeing the interactions between those two on video and her just, like, adoringly, like, looking up at him, I'm like, I am not. Mm -mm. What are you seeing? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not saying it. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. Well, for, I brought TV not from HBO Max well, this week. Well, I, I compensated for you. You did. I kept my promise. So that we can keep going with that, you I know, did. I almost, seeking HBO Max sponsorship. I almost did. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I thought of something and I was and I was like, oh, no, wait. I saw that on HBO Max. <laughs> so this, I'm going to recommend, it's a series on Oxygen. Um, I, I think it's a series, but these are kind of standalone too. Uh, called The Disappearance of. And uh, we watched the Jessica Chambers one and Crystal Rogers. So they take a deep dive into these women that disappeared and then kind of what happened, either the trial or how the search continued. In Jessica Chambers' case, she's from Mississippi. She was burned in her car and later died at the hospital. So she got away from the car and told people on the scene who asked, like firefighters, people that responded, it was Eric. Eric did this to me. She said Eric or Derek. They're not sure, but it was definitely Eric, Derek, that thing. Okay. They arrested a man named Quentin. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you can kind of see, you make your own decisions when you see the evidence and all of that. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from the episode is this other person that they're talking to in this town that says, you have to be a really dumb black man in Mississippi to set a white girl on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love that and he's kind of saying like so quentin is black yeah and, and he's saying yeah. there's something wrong here mm-hmm. and a lot of people feel that way yeah and the town it's as much as they want to say they're not racist you can definitely oh, see the overtones the under you can see it everywhere so but they also do a good job of explaining where her family's coming from and why they believe that he might be the person so you get both sides um so that was the first one we watched the second one we watched was crystal rogers and this one is just batshit crazy. <laughs> this woman disappeared from Bardenstown, Kentucky. She was the third in line of four murders that spanned over four years in this little town of 13,000 people. Um, All four are still unsolved. What? Mm-hmm. The first one was a police officer named Jason Ellis, who was like very set up like the way he was shot it was an ambush he was it was on purpose they wanted to kill him um then there was this mother and daughter that came home and were killed in their home and then crystal rogers disappeared they still have not found her body disappeared and then her father was murdered because he was very vocal and apparently very close to finding out what happened to Crystal Rogers. So the whole thing is fascinating and strange and all over the board. At times you're like, oh, that's it. And then you're like, no, wait, no, that's it. No, it is very interesting. They're in the first one. um, There isn't like a central figure that's taking you through things. But in the Crystal Rogers one, there's an investigative journalist um, who started the series. And she brings in a retired detective because she said, I'm a journalist. I don't necessarily have the detective skills or I don't look at things like a police officer. So she wanted someone to help her. So she's kind of a central figure in taking it through, taking you through that. I mean, that part 
I could take or leave. But the story is very interesting, fascinating. There's a couple more on this series, but for me, I picked it because these are families that are just continually every day getting up and wishing that someone would tell them what's going on. Ugh. Like, I just tell me the truth yeah. or just tell me why this is happening or just explain this to me. And it might be, you know, the police that aren't being forthcoming. It might be other people. It's just this want and need to have the answers becomes that's all that they want. Like, mm-hmm. that's all that is going to bring them peace at this time. That's all that's going to kind of make their families whole. And you can't of any wish that you see someone have. I think it's one that everyone can relate to of like, yeah, gosh, that would be to not know is just the hardest thing yeah. to get through. So it's wishing in a in a kind of a dark way, but it's also a really fascinating look at um, police work. It's a fascinating look at, at bias. It's an interesting look at how community plays a part in sometimes how trials get held how uh, people get accused and how people get listened to like mm-hmm. depending on their position yeah so yeah super interesting wow yeah if you're only gonna watch one do the crystal rogers one because it's okay. mind-blowing <laughs> every episode you're like wait what there's another person that died what is going on you know you're it's yeah and there's like thirteen thousand people how is this how's this happening yeah yeah it's weird it seems like some real breakdown mm-hmm of some stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You're going to wish for answers. I'll just be up front. Okay. okay. And you're, you're not, not going to get them. No, not necessarily. Well, that's too bad. But yeah. you know what? We learned that wishes don't get granted. No. This isn't a secret situation. No. Where you get to just manifest it. Yeah. It's you ask for works. a Cabbage Patch Kid, you're going to get a knockoff is what you're going to get. Yeah. And you're going to be happy about it. Yes, you are. You're going to treat that like a baby. <laughs> and that's it. You know what didn't break down this week was superfood. Wait, no, what didn't break down was our brains because we were on superfood. But yes. that whole interjection right there shows that that's not true. Well, because, I think it was. Okay. You've just been hard at work. It's I've like been, <laughs> over. You can't. Hard at work. You had the superfood. You can't come back from that deficit. That's and expect true. you're going to be at the that's level. That's true. Yeah. My tolerance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You need to, yeah. it's gonna, we're going to have to up it again. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. I'm going to have to do it like all the time. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. You know what else is the thing is it, it looks like your eye is acting up because yeah. Ziggy did, in fact, really work hard to get close to you today. He did. Yeah. He did a little bit. Yeah, he that did, did happen. Um, he jumped up on the table multiple times and got within breathing distance. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah. He did plop himself down next to you and wait expectantly for you to pet him. Uh, he did. I know. He did also scratch your butt. <laughs> <laughs> do that yeah he did just take a just take a running leap at me <laughs> my chairs have little uh gaps between the slats and he just booped your butt i uh i can appreciate the sentiment of like you're not paying attention to me yeah. it's frustrating it i is. get that you're like why aren't you touching me yeah i get it ziggy i'm not trying to willfully ignore you i'm just <laughs> you know trying to preserve my eye uh, maybe at this point he's figured out that just his very presence can make you ill and so he's playing the long game he's that like if be. i just get close just get a little bit each yeah. time just a little bit yeah mm-hmm. he was also curious about our superfood he was. I don't want to see that cat on superfood because he's already formidable. Food. Yeah. I can't handle it. Yeah. There's some. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Also, I just can't imagine what the litter box would be like. It'd be real gross. And yeah. I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't blame you. I feel like that's already a chore. <sighs> it is a chore, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. What, did, what happened? I, why? Why? I sometimes ask myself that when I'm here, like, how did this happen to her? So quickly. She was blissfully alone. <laughs> And then 
suddenly not. Three. Yeah. I told you the other night in quick succession, um, Ziggy knocked over a full glass of water, Thelma pissed in an Amazon box, and Louise scratched me up. I was like, what did, What am I doing? What, what happened? happened? Yeah. Why? And then I wished for it to stop, and it didn't. So that'll tell you what happens with wishes. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Maybe Thelma was really making a statement against consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we looked at this wrong. <laughs> Maybe she picked up on your anti-Jeff Bezos Thing. sentiment. Yeah, which like, I'm a terrible follower of, out. but okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pandemic will shoot you right back in yeah, Amazon's it sure paws. Will. It sure will. But maybe she was just like, you know what? I'm going to take this into my own hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Piss on you, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I'm going to piss mm-hmm. all over this box. And maybe she was telling me. me. Maybe she was telling me, quit it. Yeah. Stop it. Mm-hmm. She's getting you stuff from there, Thelma, so. Exactly. Oh, God. Uh, hence, this is a, hence the problem with Amazon. You want to quit it, but it has everything you need. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> a bad relationship. It really is. Oh, it's fulfilling in a weird way. You know, it's not a bad relationship. It's our relationship with our listeners. No, it's not. And How'd it like continues week to week. <laughs> Just like next Wednesday when we're back, we'll have that relationship again. Yes. And until then, our beautiful, beautiful listeners. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. Witch. Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not, that's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.